On this episode, we're back with our second page rave. We'll be taking it back to the age of glam rock, acid wash, and big hair, so throw some guns and roses in your tape deck and get ready to tackle Malibu Rising by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Welcome back to Page Rage. What's going on, everybody? How's everybody doing? And when I say everybody, I mean actually. <laughs> <laughs> I currently have Cruel Summer stuck in my head. I don't know why I have associated that song with this book because it doesn't correlate at all, but I just keep singing Cruel Summer. So that's the 80s song that got stuck in my head for some reason. How about I just realized that it's the same author who wrote Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm obsessed with that. Like I went crazy. I was like, oh, now I have to follow this author because I apparently like everything she does. And Daisy Jones is the next book I'll read from her. So I'm really digging this. Did you just realize that because you saw my notes about Mick Riva? Yes. Yes, I did. I was like, that's an interesting correlation. I have a feeling it's my note. <laughs> well, I also, when I was on there doing the summary, I saw that I was like, she also wrote. And I was like, mm-hmm. what? I had no idea. Crazy Yeah, I didn't, I didn't pull it all together at first either. Um, so yeah, it took me it took me a minute. I haven't read Daisy Jones in the Six, but have also read Evelyn Hugo, although I keep confusing it with Evelyn Hardcastle but yes I have also read Evelyn Hugo um and that was that was great so it's interesting that there is some crossover between all the characters here I love that she did that easter egg I thought it was neat Mm -hmm. so we're talking about Malibu Rising today came out in May 27th of this year which was just in time to be the perfect beach read for the summer this book follows the four Riva siblings in August of 1983 as they are preparing for their legendary end of summer party. This flashes back from one of our fave decades, 80s, you know, because we're both 80s babies. So, you know, everything great was born in the 80s, personally. To the 50s and 60s and delves into the siblings' past experiences with their loving yet damaged mother, June, poor June, and their absent playboy father, Mick. Not only do we get the POV from each sibling, Nina, the oldest supermodel slash surfer at 25, Jay, another pro surfer at 23, HUD, the photographer of Jay, also 23, and Kit, aka Catherine, hey, soon to be the best surfer as a college junior 20. My favorite part of the story is through all the lows that they've all experienced together, they stay a tight-knit group. TJR does an amazing job taking us back to the 80s, and we even see a few cameos and from some fan faves. Flashdance, anyone? I'm doing the, the Flashdance <laughs> in case anybody was wondering. And side note, that wasn't really her doing that dance. That I know. It's a body double. Well, I'm doing it. <laughs> I can see my shoulders. <laughs> so what did you love about the book? Well, obviously the cover was incredible. That's definitely the first thing that sucked, I think, everybody in. I didn't even know what the book was, what it was about, and I just saw this cover everywhere. And I will say the summary does not do it justice. I was like, oh, cool, we're talking about a party and a 24-hour span. It just did not entice me in any way. Uh, But I just wanted to know what it was about, what all the buzz was about, and I loved it. I What really drew me in was it had a very... Jackie Collins flair. I don't know if you've ever read anything by Jackie Collins, but I went through a very hard Jackie Collins just rampage where I was just devouring all of her novels. She writes really salacious, very graphic, 
just novels about yes. Hollywood celebrities and the drama and the gossip. It. And it's basically like Bravo. And so that's what I really loved about this book is it had a touch of that. And it was also just a really cool story. It just sucked me in. I didn't expect that. And I just kept like flipping through the pages and yeah, I couldn't put it down. What about you? I also had no idea what this book was about. I just kept hearing all the, everybody kept talking about it. From the jump, she sucked me in right with Nina. And I I guess I really, I never knew this about myself, but I really enjoy books that flash back and forward and give you a lot of backstory. I really enjoyed hearing about Mick and June and their both their separate lives and then coming together. And I'm always a sucker for a sibling story. Oh, absolutely. And they had Mm -hmm. such a, they just had such an interesting relationship. And obviously you didn't always know what was going to happen or where it was all going, but I loved the the four of them and I love their relationship. I love how Nina ended up taking care of all of them. I don't love how she had to like sacrifice everything to do that, but I really did enjoy their relationship. It was like, Despite all of the issues and just inconsistencies with their parents and just, you know, all of the things that are supposed to be in place to set you up for success as a kid, they really came through it and they came through it as such a tight-knit group. And I I definitely love that. Absolutely. Did you think the fire was going to be a bigger part of this, though? Because I feel like this book reminded me a little bit of Little Fires Everywhere, where, you know, they talk about all this fire and destruction in the beginning. Obviously, it ends with the fire. But... I don't know. It just, it it was always in the background and it was always lurking, but I thought it was going to be a more massive part of the story than it ended up being. It was definitely a catalyst, especially for Nina, but it just wasn't quite where I thought everything was going to end up. When Jenkins Reid started the book with all the history of all the Malibu fires, I absolutely thought somebody's dying at the end of this book. Somebody's dying in this fire in this house. That's what I thought. So at the end, when it was just a cigarette ash, I really didn't see that coming. I I was surprised by it, actually. I thought it was ironic that it was Mick who set the flame at the end. And it's, it was interesting because so much of the story was all the sacrifices his kids and June had to make because he chose to be such an absent person in their lives, did not financially support them, was just a pretty much a deadbeat. But at the end, when he flicked that cigarette and started that fire, obviously a lot of people lost their homes and, and things like that. But it also set Nina up to finally live her life. So it was weird that in this instance, the fire was kind of like the phoenix rising situation versus it destroying everything the way you thought it was going to. See, I I get that point of view. That makes a lot of sense. However, I thought of Mick's character was always – his tagline should have been the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Mm-hmm. He always went out with good intentions and just f- failed a lot of the times. So when he just came out and he like finally had gotten into a semi good place with his kids as best as he could have hoped for in all, all honesty. And then he took a cigarette out and he flicked it and he was just like, Oh, you know, having a good moment. And he started a giant fire. I was like, man, one more time for you, Mick, like get it together, dude. I wasn't, I wasn't the least bit surprised when that happened, but I do like your take on the irony. It was like something came out of his chaos for once. And I appreciated that. He actually helped his daughter on that side. Correct. What did you think about Mick's character overall? Because throughout this entire novel, before I even realized he was involved with Evelyn Hugo at one point, I just kept going to a cross between, like, obviously Mick Jagger, 
Steve Tyler, just kind of like merging all of these flamboyant, probably terrible dads at one point, <laughs> like together to make make Reba. I can't say I hated him because I didn't. I thought he was trash for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, you're trash. I My heart ached for June. Oh my God, broke my heart every time, every time. And you really wanted him to get it together, but he just wouldn't. He was just like such a likable asshole is pretty yeah. much what he was. He was just a really likable asshole. And I totally get it with June. Like you love somebody so much that you want to believe this time is going to be different. It's never different. And it never is. It never, it never is. is. I, I think that uh, Taylor Jenkins Reed, I guess we can call her TGR. That's a lot. I can't keep yeah. her full name, but TJR did a good job of never really allowing you to fully hate your quote unquote villains because Mick really was the villain of this story, Mm -hmm. but you got so much of his backstory. And like you said, he just became a likable asshole. And it was the same even with Brandon, with Nina's husband. It's like, at first you hate him because, you know, he obviously steps out on his wife and causes whole thing. And then you get his backstory and you kind of see that him and his mistress are actually way better suited. And let's be real, Nina deserved way better than him. Oh, absolutely. So it, it worked out for the best, I think. But you don't you don't have the same view of him at the end. I mean, I still thought he was a trash human regardless. But yes. you don't look at him the same. You can't fully hate anybody because you see both sides of the story. Yes. With Mick, I kept thinking, okay, this guy just can't, you know, you can't get it together. And I couldn't hate him. But at the end, when he was talking and possibly fifth kid walked up, I completely for- forgot her name for some reason. We'll call her Linda because I can't remember. <laughs> He's had he he even says he he said I've had to take multiple paternity tests and she looked at him and he was like if you want a paternity test I'll take it like he's just accepted the fact that that's who he is that is when I felt more for him because I'm in my head I'm more of a person if you can accept your flaws and just own them and be who you are I can at least respect you on that you can still be trash but I'll respect you as that trash person so I did like that Brandon I never respected and I never liked him. I get why he was the way he was, but it was it was such a selfish reasoning. Even at the end when he was laying on the floor, wasted, trying to decide before between Nina and Carrie, in my head, I was thinking, okay, if you have to decide between them, you don't deserve either one of them. And they're too great of women, way better than you. I thought Carrie deserved better, even though she's also a homewrecker, so she's not that great either. She <laughs> I felt for her in the end, though, and the part where Nina was like, in another world, we probably could have been friends, but we're in this world and we're not. But she completely understood where this one was coming from. And I feel like you should appreciate her energy because she said, if I fall in love with you and you are not in this, like you're either in this or get out or I will light your shit on fire. And that's what she did. So I appreciate somebody who could at least back up her threats. And I feel like you would appreciate that kind of woman, Kat. I did. Also, uh, the fifth <laughs> the fifth random child, her name is Casey. So Casey. Casey. That was close. Not Linda. Linda. We'll call her Casey. We'll call her her name. Linda Casey. Casey Linda Casey. Casey. <laughs> Giving her a whole backstory at this point. <laughs> Carrie, yes. Carrie is my type of lady. However, the homewrecking thing is not my Yeah, no. That's not okay. Yeah. But the driving up and making a scene and throwing it down, that's my kind of chick. Because she was like, I told you. Now, here are the repercussions. That's my kind of chick. So I did respect her for that. Mm -hmm. I definitely think she was Greek. Like, I I think she might also be from Monty. I was like, (laughs) 
getting some money vibes from here. She was not having it. I was mm. like, mm. she made true on her word, and I appreciate that. I thought that's where the fire was starting. I, Which I was would like, have actually made a, <laughs> that's what I was going a little bit more sense. I just hit our microphone. Cat <laughs> <laughs> is judging me because she just randomly saw me karate chopping our microphone. So, you know, having a moment. It's okay. This is happening. <laughs> We're having a meltdown in Jersey, We're having guys. A, complete, <laughs> a complete meltdown. As you said, I at first did not catch. I saw the Evelyn reference, Evelyn Hugo. I just didn't even think that they were the same author until... I did the summary and then I lost my mind because I, I, now I want to go back and, oh my God, I'm hiccuping. I want to go back and, I've been dying here. We cannot get it together today. <laughs> I have the hiccups very badly. Sorry, guys. Once I saw that, I want to go back and reread and try and find that snippet where Evelyn's in there. I, I didn't, I wouldn't have noticed Daisy Jones because I haven't read that book. So, well, Evelyn isn't in it, but Mick is Evelyn's third husband in the Evelyn Jones book. And then, I guess he attends a party in Daisy Jones and the Six, but I haven't read Daisy Jones. Evelyn Hugo was my first book by this author. So I will have to add that to my, you know, keep an eye out moment when I am actually reading it. And yeah, I think it might be time to reread Evelyn Hugo uh, because I definitely, I don't remember Mick in it. I I just remember a plethora of husbands, but I don't specifically remember his character. So I remember there being an Evelyn in Malibu Rising, like there's like a tiny minute. Yeah, they. But I just her. never made the correlation at all. They mention her briefly, obviously, and when they're talking about mixed mm-hmm. history, and then he makes another nod when he talks about oh how some of them had abortions because Evelyn actually was pregnant with Mick's kid at one point and did have an abortion in the book. So that oh. was also a nod to her. Yeah, miss mm-hmm. that. That would have been a really cool tie. I almost wish she did have that kid because that would have been a really interesting tie-in to all of this. Surprise. Kid number 14. Who is your favorite kid, including Linda Casey? Linda Casey. I really love this name we've given her. (laughs) She sounds like such a plucky like 50s Hollywood star. I love it. That's kind of tough. I really appreciated HUD because I appreciate that he was more of a peacemaker trying to figure out how to get through struggles, even when him and Jay were having their massive blowout at the end. He was like, I am not going to fight you. I you do whatever. I, I am that. not going to fight you. And I really love that. I loved, I just loved his whole attitude to everything. I also really appreciated Kit. I felt bad that she was always kind of the one that was left out. Her own father didn't even recognize her at first. Oh my God. But I appreciate her energy. I appreciate the fire. Uh, that she had and honestly I just I really like all of them Jay was probably my least favorite to be completely honest I liked him a little bit more at the end when he realized that he could probably put all of his energy behind Kit because she was probably going to be the best surfer out of all of them and that maybe he wasn't going to be the one that was you know world renowned but he could put all that into her so that's when I saw that he had a nice arc and I was like, okay, you get a pass, but he was probably my least favorite, but it's hard to pick a favorite. I really enjoyed them all. I honestly, I don't think Jay was a, as developed as some of the other characters. I agree. Uh, I, that's my thing with Jay. I thought about it because I was thinking who was my favorite. And when I got to Jay, I thought that he didn't have as much, I thought he deserved a little bit more justice because he didn't have as much development as HUD or Kit even. Mm-hmm. Nina was was definitely my favorite. 
Yeah. I mean, of course. Yeah. She's the one we see it. We mostly mm-hmm. follow her. You know, she's one of the main mm-hmm. main characters. So she's a given for sure. Especially at the end when she finally kind of takes on her own thing and is like, you know what? I'm done with this. I'm done with this. This is what I'm doing. Call it a day. I love that Kit was the only one with the head on straight who said, listen, our mom hated this place. Why are we mm-hmm. holding on to this? It was more so the idea of it, of them trying to have a tie to their family because mm-hmm. they really didn't have any. Mick was just off in the yeah. cut. Their mom was obviously gone and their grandparents had already passed. So I think that was just the last tie that she was trying to hold. Like she still had something, but they they had something. They made their own, they made their own family and their own version of what that is. So I wanted more for Mick about June. When he found out, like, I wanted something more. I wish TJR would have given us something a little bit more about his grief or even done like a POV where he found out about her dying and like, maybe had a breakdown or something. I would, I wanted that from the book. That yeah. would have made, would have made me very happy. I understood it when he was speaking at the end, when they were at the party and he was outside with his kids and he was saying, I could not physically come because I always had this picture in my head that I could always come home to her. And I just couldn't, I could not fully grasp what she's actually gone. And I, I understood that, but I, I agree. I think June deserved more than that. I think he should have been at the funeral in some capacity, whether he was, you know, just standing outside of his limo and whisked away as soon as it was, as soon as it was done, just something. I don't, I feel like we could have handled that a little bit better. I do agree. I feel like that hit him a lot harder than it was shown. And I, 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 I think there should have been another nod to that throughout the, the book. Yeah, I would have even been happy if there would have been an after moment where he's standing at her grave, talking to her about the kids, anything. I, I would have really wished that would have happened. Did you like any of the other significant others in the no. book? The only, I mean, even Ashley, I'm very sad she was a letdown. At least your Catherine hit oh. was great. Ashley was not my favorite character in any capacity. Lara, I, I mean, we, we didn't have as much time with her, but I was just kind of like, meh. And obviously that whole Brandon, I think I liked Carrie more than I liked Brandon. So I liked Carrie more than I liked Brandon. Mm-hmm. Again, Lara was not developed. Like I felt kind of bad. Like she, uh, TJ, or I felt like dropped the ball a little bit on Lara and Jay. Uh, when she hit him with the whole, oh, I'm not really into this. What you're thinking? Moving on. Yeah. Next page. Carrie was probably the closest I had to liking him just because she was going to set all his shit on fire on the lawn. <laughs> Diary of a mad tennis player. I love it. See, I'm more of Anita when he like came home and he had lost. She was like, oh, honey, sitting in his boxers. Are you okay? That's kind of me. I'm not going to push you no. and scream at you to do better because – I don't know what the other end is going to come out with. Yeah, I agree. It worked for him. It worked for him. It just was not not my jam. But no, I didn't like Ashley at all. I, I couldn't get behind that where that whole her and Hud thing, I couldn't jive with it. It didn't make any sense to me. No. I'm glad Hud is happy. He definitely mm-hmm. deserves that. And I'm glad that they have like a new little member coming to the Reva tribe. But mm-hmm. she was not my favorite. I was like, can we have a more dynamic character for them? There's so many interesting personalities that they just barely touched on. And we have <laughs> to talk about the party. And I just feel like there were so many other people we could have pulled into this. I wanted to hear more about Wendy, who was the chick who was hooking up with the two dudes. Oh my god. <laughs> Wendy's little random side story was so funny. 
That was hilarious. She's like, well, I'm going to go back to the Midwest to be a housewife. But for now, I'm going to have sex with two rock stars in a hot tub full of everybody. And yeah. scene. I was like, what? <laughs> totally went left. I did not expect that. And she was the server at the diner. I know. <laughs> and then her brother bailed her out of jail. I loved it. That was hilarious. It was hilarious the way they describe it when the police are breaking up this epic party at the end. And they're like, and we pulled this woman off of the front lawn. Like, it's just all these, like, Wendy. Wow. But let's let's talk about that party, though, because that was a hell of a rager. Someone literally swung from the chandeliers. That was not okay. Sia did not exist at this point. That song was not a thing. There was no wrecking ball. There was no incentive to be doing these kinds of things. Why in the world would you go into a person's home and just demolish it in this manner? That's what I don't understand. The one dude, I can't remember his name. It starts with a B. I want to say Blaine, but I don't think that's right. He came in with a half a brick of cocaine and hooked up with the server in the closet and and then had them passing around trays of cocaine. On their little serving platter next to like the champagne. Like, oh, do you want a line? Do you want champagne? Like, we can get you whatever you want. I was like, wow, this is going to escalate to a place that nobody expected it to go. My favorite was Nina Nina said, can we not just do coke off the mirrors anymore? (laughs) (laughs) Are we this bougie now? We have to do this. That just screamed 80s to me. That party was a true, true rager. It was awesome. I love that Nina ended up in the pantry, though. I feel like I would be there, too. I feel like I would have been in there, too, because I would have been so stressed of what was happening around me. Like, there was so... That party got... It was fine. In the beginning, everything was fine. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of cool people. It was kind of like, who's who and what's happening? And then it just escalated to a point that I also probably would have been in the closet or maybe the wine cellar just drinking at that point. (laughs) The widower who was stealing and swinging from chandeliers, just trying to make him feel something, met a widow. (laughs) Yes. And they both started stealing stuff together, and that's what they got arrested for was my favorite. Mm -hmm. I I loved that. I loved the fact that they were just like news anchors, just like making out all over the place. Mm -hmm. And they were like, I will not be watching that morning show anytime soon. Just like all these funny little comments. I I was cracking up. And Nina's friend, Tareen, I felt really bad for her. I liked her too. You know what? She was definitely one of my favorite characters as well. But I felt bad because she was really trying to do her friend a solid and like contain what was happening. It hit a point where she was like, absolutely not. And instead of just walking away from it, she was a good friend and was like, we're going to shut this shit down, which I definitely appreciated. When they were describing Tareen, I got a very Naomi Campbell vibe mm-hmm. like Naomi Campbell okay I said Campbell wow Naomi Campbell or Mother Electra from Pose I don't know if you've watched Pose but kind of yes. like a merge of the two of them but nicer because Naomi Campbell's really mean and actually Electra's a little bit mean too so <laughs> I got that I got that vibe though I really like that Ricky <laughs> took one for the team I hope him and kids say BFF and I hope him and Vanessa get together and I loved Vanessa's little snippet where she said I made out with six guys tonight I'm a legend <laughs> It's like good for you, girl. Like you, you Stride wave that flag. You wave that flag. It's like really gunning for her. I love that. That was the best. What didn't you like? We already talked about mine. How I wish there was more from Mick with June. What didn't you like? I think with this particular book, it a I wish that June had had a better ending than she did. But I understand why she had to. I, I understand why she had to have her storyline to end in that way just because it really set up 
the character for Nina and the rest of their lives and how, you know, they interacted with each other. But I wish she could have had some happiness. I just don't feel like she was very happy. Obviously, you know, she did what she could for her kids. And I think her kids brought her some joy, but I just felt so bad. She deserved better than that. Um, so I would say that. And then, of course, I think it's you always want to know what happens after. I want to know what happens after Malibu rising and after Nina goes off to Portugal. And how does everybody end up? How does Mick end up? What happens with Mick? Because I feel like Mick is going through some things. Does Casey come in? And is she the the kid who actually pays attention to him? Like, where where are we at? That's kind of what I want. I could see that. Linda Casey had that vibe. She totally had <laughs> I that love vibe. This name. <laughs> she needs to use this and become a star. Linda Casey. Yeah. I think she has that, like, motherly, still wanting her parents around kind of vibe going on. Whereas the other three and four could care less. Although I think Jay probably needs his dad. I think so too. Jay Jay was the most open to mm-hmm. Mick. I think so. Hud too. Hud would go along with it. Hud is not going to make waves though. So I feel like mm-hmm. he, I was actually surprised he didn't take more of a, I guess I was surprised he wasn't the one when they were having that whole little altercation on the beach. I was like, guys, let's hear him out. Let's do this. Cause that's the role he always plays. So it's, it just shows you how far Mick really went that HUD wasn't even like, let's hear him out. Let's do this. He was like, F this. You're not even our family. <laughs> so that was interesting. But yeah, I agree. I think Jay and his dad could definitely, I don't even know. I was going to say grow up together, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> because Mick definitely has some growing up to do. I feel like he's lived in just this, just this altered state of youth. And he's not, he's not young anymore, but he just has not lived a real life, you know? Honestly, it, to me, Mick sounds like a lot of men of our generation where they want to keep doing what they do. And then finally they wake up one day and they're like, oh, hey, I'm old and mm-hmm. I now need someone to take care of me. Guess I'll get married. Let me go through the, the Rolodex of numbers of mm-hmm. all the women that used to care about me and see where they're mm-hmm. at. Mm-hmm. So Mick was basically just one of the OG fuckboys is what we're saying. Yeah. He was a millennial before his time. Is yes, what he, he was. certainly was. I, I did appreciate his view on aging, though. And he was like, I'm not scared of death. I'm not scared of being old. He's like, I actually like being old and not having to be young because he liked the respect that he got. But what he was scared of was not being remembered, not being a legend, not having an impact that went on after he was gone. That's what he was scared of. It was just a very interesting perspective. And I also appreciated the way... Everybody reacted to him when he walked into the party. Walked in the like, party. You have all these like B-list people and you know child stars and news anchors, and then he walks in and you're like, "This is an actual legend." And it was just like, <gasps> "That's what I." That was a cool moment. It was. It was literal record scratch. Yes. Yes. <laughs> exactly what it was. I did love that. That was probably one of my top three moments of the party after the mm-hmm. widower and the widow went crazy. <laughs> and our, our favorite, and Clyde. Wendy. Wendy chick. Yeah. Uh, Wendy was the jam. <laughs> she was awesome. Good for Why her. wasn't Flashdance Girl like up on the tables just flash dancing with the shoulders? In my head, I don't believe she really knows how to dance now. <laughs> Since I'm I really upset that. by that. I'm upset she can't even just, you know shimmy around like nothing i also feel like they they were focused in a lot on oh this is the one i'm not gonna remember her name like it is tuesday hendrix yeah so she was mm-hmm. an oscar and bridger actress oh bridger i hated bridger i did not like bridger at all mm-hmm. but tuesday hendrix it's like they they focus on all this stuff with her and bridger and all this drama but i don't feel like very much happened to them at the party i mean yeah they got thrown in they got thrown in handcuffs and everything at the end but i feel like 
people kept making a nod to her even before the party, but then nothing really happened with that storyline. Like not as much as I thought was going to happen anyway. I thought, I honestly thought it was going to be something where he like beat her. That's where I thought this was going. Yeah, something. Or actually, I just kept thinking that somebody was going to end up dying in that fire. Like every time somebody went Mm -hmm. upstairs, I was like, oh God, this is when the fire is going to break out and they're going to find a body. Like I just, I never knew where it was going to go. So I thought I had it was going to be Brandon at one point when he passed I out. I did too. When he passed out drunk upstairs, like, yep, and that's Santa Brandon. Mm-hmm. But no, it was not. Another good thing about this is that Hulu actually picked this up for an adaption. I think it's also by the same, I know I brought up uh, Little Fires Everywhere earlier, but I think a lot of that same team is involved in this. So it could be really interesting. I would actually love to see this party play out IRL. Oh, oh. <laughs> If I don't get some dude swinging from a chandelier, I'm Sia, can we just have Sia's like song <laughs> in the background too? I know it's not '80s, but I just I need it to happen. It'd be so, so funny. Bad. I can't wait to see who they cast. I don't know if I have any anyone I can come up with like right on the spot right now in terms of who I would want to see cast. I'm really trying to think, but I am excited to see this come to life. I think of Mick, old Mick, as George Clooney. Oh my god, that would be amazing. <laughs> That's what I think of, honestly. <laughs> Old Mick is that would George be amazing. Clooney. I don't know if he could sing, and I think he's supposed to have like a little like Latino flair. So maybe even like an Antonio Banderas or something, like just something I super could, I random. Could roll with that too. I mean, I'm just throwing out pretty men that we want to see on screen. So. Yeah, he aged very well. He did. They both did. Honestly, they really they both did. Fine wines, but that's who I pictured for some reason. I, I could. I would love to see this cast. They should call us. We'll cast it for them. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. I'll, I can put some thought behind this. I feel like we could come up with a really solid group of people. Did you notice how women had to deal with all the bullshit every time she was out? Somebody would go up and like rub her shirt. Oh my! Drove me. God. Uh, But you know what? I think that was a nod to when I'm blacking out Brooke Shields to when Brooke Shields did the, oh, only nothing can get between me and my Calvins. Like that whole storyline when she, like in the early eighties, when she was really coming into the thing. And then I think it was a nod to that and just how creepy people are with stuff like that. But I don't know why people feel like they have ownership of anyone, celebrities, anything. I would never go up to a celebrity and like try petting them. I would never do that. That's so weird. Why would you touch somebody else like that? That's so awkward. I kept thinking, oh my God, if that was me, I would have slapped the hell out mm-hmm. of somebody. I absolutely would real have too. quick. She was way too nice about it, but it was also early 80s. We have come a mm-hmm. very long way since then about what we can say absolutely not to. She knew that that was the, the image that she was projecting. And so she just kind of like was grinning and burying it. But oh, I wanted to slap the hell out of those people all in all it was a great read i really enjoyed it four stars for me on goodreads i gave it i think i gave it four stars as well so four stars from both cat and i is a very 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 high rating so highly recommend if you're looking for a good end of summer read this is definitely the perfect time to do it too it's august when the infamous party is happening so you can Mm -hmm. definitely feel like you're you're there i wish i was in malibu (laughs) But you I know, Chef was in Malibu in the 80s. <laughs> but oh, that's at cool. any rate, check it out at your library if you don't want to buy it. But it's worth it's definitely worth uh, picking up if you see it. Going along with some other page raves, we each have a rave for you. Ash, what's yours? All right. So my page rave 
for this episode is uh, a book called Black Buck. It was written by Matteo Ascapor. And this, this was published in early 2021. And it is a very satirical, dark, comedic view on life as a Black person in corporate New York, specifically in the world of sales. So this may seem completely off the wall, um, especially because it acts as a quote-unquote guide through the sales world as we follow Darren, who also is renamed Buck because he at one point worked at Starbucks and the people in his company thought this was funny. Um, But it follows him as he's recruited into a mostly all-white startup and how he really navigates through the passive-aggressive racism thrown his way. He really loses himself and then kind of comes out the other side. I will say this book will make a lot of people uncomfortable. It's going to make people question themselves and why and how they react to certain situations. But I felt like this book was just a really good view of what corporate life is like. I work in New York City. Well, not during the pandemic, but usually I work in the city. I work for a really large agency. I've worked for quite a few agencies and it's always been interesting to me working in New York, which is supposed to be this hugely diverse area. And I'm working in mostly white spaces. And that has had me encounter a lot of really interesting moments and microaggressions and things like that. So I really related to Buck in this. Uh, it was definitely off the wall. You will not always like Buck. I definitely did not like his character for a solid chunk of this novel. But by the end of it, I I was blown away. I also rated this four stars. Um, but again, this is going to be one that not everybody's going to like. But I definitely think if you want to expand your horizons and just kind of see what else is out there, this is a this is a great one. If anybody had to read Jonathan Swift's A Modest Proposal when you were in high school, where he had a very satirical view on how the world should fix the issue that was currently going on in Ireland with the potato famine, you will definitely appreciate this book. It has the very much the same vein of the dark humor and satire. This is definitely on my to reads list for sure. Yeah, I really liked it. I surprised myself. I hated it at one point, like as I'm reading. And then by the end of it, I was like, wow, that was really well done. Okay. Well, then that makes me more excited. My page rave is The Girls Are All So Nice Here by Lori Elizabeth Flynn. It came out earlier this year in March, and it's Flynn's first attempt at an adult fiction novel. This is your typical college story, college girl story that is done a lot of times in books. However, there is a lot of underlying darkness and some serious twists and turns. We start the story with Ambrosia Wellington. That is literally her name. Ambrosia Wellington. Ambrosia Wellington. They call her Amb. 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 A M B. So. She's heading back to college for a reunion of sorts, which I remember when I started reading this, I thought, do colleges do reunions? Because Maybe small liberal arts colleges. I miss that. UCF and USF? Not at all. No. (laughs) Never. No. So like I said before, I do enjoy stories that flip back and forth. This story flips back to her freshman days with her so sweet it makes your teeth hurt roommate Flora and 
to her making her way back to college. As the story unfolds, you think you're going to get into a Colleen Hoover kind of drama of angst and this guy and I like him and this and that. No. <laughs> no, it goes straight Jillian Flynn. <laughs> sharp ah. object. Crazy. <laughs> it goes real sharp turn left. Really deep. Really dark. And honestly, I think one of my favorite things is uh, Lori Elizabeth Flynn did a great job of describing college. I felt like I was back in my old sorority house with the late night chats, the lame college parties with the warm booze that was bottom shelf as hell, Mm -mm. you know, getting ready together and all those things that really made you feel like you were in college. But what my college dates did not have was multiple deaths. (laughs) I'm just going to say that as soon as you said warm booze, I was like, "Mm -mm." like me and my sorority sisters, whenever we went to a party, we would literally roll up prepared. We would bring our own solo cups because there was always just no cups available Mm -hmm. ever. And we would always bring our own bottle of Jack because we were like, we're not drinking whatever this nonsense is that you have here. I don't know what is in your little jungle juice situation. So we always brought our own booze, our own mixers, and our own cups. That's the kind of bougie bitches we were. My college, I remember one time we went to a, a party, a fraternity party, and they made trash can hunch punch and forgot to put oh, the yeah. sugar in. Yep. Forgot to put the sugar in. You're just drinking Everclear and food coloring. <laughs> <pretty much. laughs> when yep. I tell you, yep. I threw up. Yep. I threw up. Mm-hmm. So that's what I enjoyed about the suit. It made me feel like I was back in college, but it gave it a really nice Jillian Flynn esque turn. So I highly recommend it. And it's also 50% off at the Barnes and Nobles book haul. Oh, that's fun. So I went and bought it today. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to add this to my Goodreads for sure. I don't know how I missed this, but this sounds like right up my alley. Also, what is Jillian Flynn doing? I need something else. I love her books and there's only three. She's taken all that money that she made because every single one of her books were made into something. And she's sitting her happy ass at home doing nothing is what she's doing. You know, as she is entitled to because her books are brilliant. However, Mm -hmm. I need more. So Jillian Flynn, if you're listening, because I know you're probably listening to us because (laughs) you love page rage, please write something else. What else were you doing in 2020? Come Mm -hmm. on, lady. Let's do this. So yeah, I highly suggest it. I am not an angsty Colleen Hoover person. I gave up on her a long time ago. So I was real worried this is what it was going. And it definitely took a turn to where I enjoyed. So I highly suggest it. That's it for this week's page rave. We're actually taking a little minor break because we're taking our end of the summer trip to Charleston next week. So we're not going to Malibu after all of this. <laughs> I'm pretty sure California is locked down. <laughs> uh, that's probably true. Yep. I wish. I wish. I wish we could go to Malibu. Um, no, we're going to be in Charleston and we're going to be hunting down some really cool old bookstores because I've been there before and I know they have a couple cool vintage stores up in there. So we'll be skipping out on next week, but we'll be back after Labor Day with a brand new uh-huh. episode, raging our little behinds off. Mm-hmm. So you'll get a minor break from us, but please come back. But we want to hear from you. Have you read Malibu Rising? Have you read Black Book? Have you read The Girls Are So Nice Here? Did you like it? Do you also hate angst like I do? <laughs> <laughs> Let me know. Let us know. Let us know. Email us at hello at pageradepodcast.com or DM us on Instagram at pageradepodcast. And of course, 
please subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast network. <laughs>